Welcome to the Human Design and Beyond podcast with your hosts, Leslie Wegleitner and Lori Wakefield. In these podcasts, we discuss all things related to human design. It's here where we share our knowledge, insights, and experiences. Join us as we dive into authentic conversations about letting go of resistance, identifying conditioning, and so much more. Our goal for you is to live in alignment with your unique human design. These quick bouts of inspiration will bring forward things to contemplate about your individual charts and inspire experiences in your everyday life to support your journey. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Lori. Hi, and welcome back, everyone. This is Leslie. So we are continuing our discussion about the fear gates in the solar plexus. And fears in the solar plexus are experienced through waves. That is the actual waves of the emotion that our individual chart is dispositioned to experience. So we covered what these waves were in more depth in our last episode, um, episode nine in our last podcast. So if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and listen. So these fears happen because of the emotional uncertainty through which our emotions create. All experience create a time of uncertainty through what was happened, what just happened, a decision we are now facing to make, or how we felt about the other person we were just with. There's a broad movement um, one can feel with the emotional wave. An example could be feeling love to hate and then everything in between. This immense diversity of feelings creates nervousness and uncertainty. So this nervousness that arises from living with uncertainty is a form of fear that needs to be confronted in order to overcome. So remember, fears can become a distortion in the way we view things, but if we allow time to pass, we see how our fears of the solar plexus will be confirmed or dispel the uncertainties and suspicions underlying the nervousness. This process will move us beyond the emotional fears and transcend them into emotional intelligence. So before we get started with um, gates 55 and 49, is there anything you want to add, Lori, with the solar plexus? Yeah, um, I just wanted to mention that the that emotional waves will be there for all the gates in the solar plexus, but it'll be experienced differently depending on the circuit the gate's in, the attributes of the gate itself, and whether it's a hanging or a dormant gate. So that's about it. Um, you ready to begin with gate 55, Leslie? Yeah, I am. So gate 55 is abundance gate of the spirit, and it's um, part of the individual circuitry. Its harmonic gate is the 39th provocation, gate of obst- obstruction. And together, they form the channel of emoting or the design of moodiness. So gate 55 brings us to the individual process and is the moodiest of all gates. People with this gate are always looking for the perfect emotional state, whether it's love, peace, or ecstasy. There's a deep moodiness and melancholy of the individual with the gate 55, but also abundance and a lot of magic. So this moodiness experienced with gate 55 can mutate from extremes one day to the next. This is um, this is the reality of life for someone with the gate 55, and it feels full and empty. But the reality is it always feels an emptiness. And gate 28 in the splenic center is the mirror to gate 55. And the fear of gate 28 is the death and purposeless, purposelessness. Um, so the emptiness felt in gate 55 is about not having love, not finding the spirit of love, and not being able to be filled with grace. Its fear of, its, of all life's experience is an empty experience. Its fears when waking up and on their low end of their wave 
and they feel empty, it fears it will just get worse and that eventually there will be nothing left and it is all pointless. The energy one feels with this gate changes frequently, especially as regards to one's loyalty, interests, or affection, constantly going up and down in how they feel. So like the cup is half empty and then half full. Remember, they're, they're just waves. So when one is not in the mood to eat or work or, ha- um, or be social, it's really not help- healthy for them to do so. And if you want to be alone, don't make excuses, just honor your mood. So these times of melancholy can be your most creative times. If one can get comfortable with being in the low wave, this gate 55 will bring an understanding of the connection of creativity and melancholy. Gate 55 is literally literally waiting to be provoked by the gate 39. This provoking allows gate 59 to perceive spirit and their moods for themselves. Um, Gate 55 is also deeply acoustic and can be very sensitive to others and what they're saying and in the way in which it's said through the tone. So this is also the gate of fickleness, which brings a sensitivity that others may not understand. The, um, the 55 can never be wrong in what it feels, but it has to learn how not to take things so personally. Normally, gate 55 has a relatively consistent wave. There is consistency, and yet there are dropping points into melancholy, dropping into these moments of emptiness and the fear that one will not come out of it. The, nervin- the nervousness over moods and the fear of feeling empty are the treasures in gate 55. Gate 55 has come in for um, me with my Chiron return, and it's my unconscious son. But I have a dear friend that um, she actually has it in her conscious son, 55. And uh, we were actually just having a conversation this week, and it was really interesting because she was talking about how she's been kind of losing interest in things, not finding it beneficial to do things anymore that she used to love, and just kind of um, feeling that emptiness that I was talking about earlier. Um, and and I was just kind of reminding her because she goes on these days that she'll just leave the house and just see whatever the day will bring. And it's kind of like that magic that they were talking about with Gate 55. And and it was it's so fun to hear her stories when she comes back because of the people that she would um, encounter or she would end up at like a play um, that was she lives in California. So like all of a sudden you'd end up at this random play. Um, And it was always just, and I would have to remind her, it's like, that is just magical how your day just kind of unfolds. And then she feels very full, you know, when she gets back from these days. So um, uh, let's see, with the, uh, and with, for me, um, where I notice is when I'm kind of dipping down into those low days, it's, it's food that seems to, I want to go towards the comfort um, I'm trying to change that pattern. <laughs> it's probably a learned pattern from my family. But um, it's really fascinating to when we become aware of the pattern that's happening within the frequency of a certain gate, that then we can kind of um, shift it into something different. Or I can find the magic and um, utilize that melancholy into more of a creative process. So maybe making a fun meal instead of eating chocolate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have anything? That's to add? not fun. Right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have anything to add, Lori? Um, I don't think so. I, I think you explained it well. Um, so, are you ready to go into Gate Forty Nine, Leslie? Yeah, let's go ahead. Okay. 
So gate 49 is known by a few different names. It can be referred to as the gate of principles, the gate of revolution, and sometimes as the gate of rejection. When it's connected to gate 19, it forms the channel of synthesis with a design of sensitivity. Gate 49 is part of the tribal circuitry and is in the ego sub-circuit. The energy of the tribal circuit is focused on the well-being and survival of the tribe, the family, or the group. And the ego sub-circuit is concerned with laws, values, agreements, uh, personal and business agreements, as well as the management of resources within the group or the tribe. If you look at how gate 49 is often described, it's kind of like, at least for me, hard to understand how the energy is experienced on a personal level. It's explained from the perspective of the group. So the concept of revolution has to do with ensuring the group, the family or the tribe has the necessary resources. Food is mentioned. So I started thinking about this phrase um, that I saw related to Gate 49, and it says that people who people who have enough to eat don't go to war. So I, I was thinking about that, and basically what it means to me is that when people are fed or nourished or satisfied or, for, or fulfilled, they have no reason to go to war or to seek change or a revolution. So if we look at what the gate of revolution or the gate of principles means in your chart, it's experienced in a more personal way. If you have gate 49 defined in your chart, then it's a fixed energy, which means that you always have it. The energy of this gate is based on higher principles. It's not really about seeking power or control. It's about caring for each other and treating each other well. It's about establishing boundaries for what's acceptable behavior and what's not. In its lower expression, it can be kind of moralistic, but in its high expression, it's about supporting and valuing each other. It's sometimes also referred to as the divorce gate because people who have this gate defined can be rigid with their principles and set standards that are too high. On the other hand, it can be no nonsense as far as what will be tolerated. So if you have this gate defined, you may have felt disappointed by people in your life. I'm, I'm sure all of us have felt that way at times. But for someone who has gate 49 to find, it's more of a consistent theme in their lives. You may have ended relationships with others because they violated principles you believe in and you don't want someone like that in your life. Sometimes it can mean ending an ending to a relationship that you've had for a long time. I have gate 49 in my unconscious Chiron and I've had that experience in my life. It's kind of weird, but um, I found myself evaluating the relationship because something happened that violated something I believed in. I wouldn't say it's happened a lot of times, and it's not something that happened because of an argument or something that specifically that happened. I just reached a point where I no longer wanted that person to be a part of my life. One thing, um, I'm going to tell a little story, but one thing that I wanted to mention is I like one of the principles that I have is if somebody tells me something, then it's something that's told to me in confidence. You know, as I say, it's okay to share with other people. So for me to turn around and to share it with someone else, it's wrong, you know? And when people do things like that, nobody benefits from it. The person who, you know, who who told you what they told you, they get hurt because you violated their trust. Then you get hurt because that person is angry with you, and then you go tell the other person, and the person's hurt by what the person said. If it if it has to do with something that was said about somebody, um, but like a quick example was was when I was back in uh, in middle school in seventh grade, I had this friend Margie, 
she was, she was my best friend and we hung out with a group of other girls and like a lot of girls at that age, there, there was backstabbing and gossip and stuff that, you know, still, yeah, stabbing each other in the back. And anyway, she, she, um, like I was a type who kind of maybe was on the outside of the group in some ways, because I didn't always go along with what, with what the people in the group wanted to do. Um, you know, especially when it came to like, I don't know, like ganging up on somebody, someone in the group, you know, someone would just make a decision about that. So anyway, Margie, um, she would go along with stuff and then she would call me after school and then she'd go back and tell them like what I said, you know? And I, like, when I found out that I was, I was like, wow, Margie, really? You know, I, I don't know. So, so that kind of made me pull back from our friendship. And, and then, I don't know, we, I don't know, like a, maybe a year or two later, we um, tried to be friends again and she did it to me again. And I was just like, you know, not that I said it to her, but in my own mind, it's like, I don't, I don't want to be friends with somebody like that. So, you know, then I would see her from time to time and I was never mean to her. I just, I just kept, you know, my distance from her. It was never, we were never friends like that again. But anyway, um, let's get into the fears. One of the fears associated with Gate 49 is the fear of rejection or nervousness of not being supported. I think that fear stems from being rejected by other people or not being supported or accepted by them when they don't understand the principles you have. In its high expression, the principles are for the good of the family or the tribe. It's not about power or control. One more thing I wanted to mention is that people who have this gate defined may have a love of animals. I know that's true for me. I think that's about all I have to say about gate 49. Do you have anything you want to add to it, Leslie? Well, when you were talking about the animal and the love of animals, it just came to me, well, animals would never reject you. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, the gate 49 would have this love of animals because they're, you know, loyal and, you know, unconditional honest. love. Yeah. 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 So that just popped into my head. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And the other thing, um, I know a few people that have uh 49, but you know, 1949 and being that it's tribal, um, and it's, they're very sensitive people, but they're also like touchy and not like in, you know, weird, but they like like affection through like hugs or, mm. um, you know, maybe they hold pants with their partner a lot or, or whatever it is, but there's a, there's a sense of touching that comes along with that, um, that channel also. So, and that's, that's all I have to add. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say too, when you were talking about that with having gate 49 defined, um, I, I, like I'll touch people when I talk to them sometimes and not like in a weird way or not like, it's not like my hands are, but like I'll touch their arm or something. And to me, it's like a connection. It's like, it makes me feel connected to them when I'm talking to them. So um, anyway, did you, do you have anything else you want to say about anything we've talked about, Leslie? Or are you ready to wrap things up? No, I think we're ready to wrap it up. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us today. In our next episode, we'll talk about the fears that can be found in Gates thir- uh, excuse me, gates 6 and 37. If you'd like to see the show notes for today's podcast, you can find them on our website at www.alignandachievebydesign.com. The show notes will be listed under podcasts, episode 10. If you'd like to join us as we continue to explore the human design fear gates, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks again and have a great day. Thanks everyone.